return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Because here, Deb's been here for a long time and uh, a long-termer and uh, appreciate your heart, Deb, and sharing and so forth for you and Steve and and so we just bless you as you come. She's going to come. Let's welcome Deb as she comes to share the word tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Whew, hallelujah. Glad to be here tonight. Yeah, y'all look so good, all refreshed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we say welcome. Yes, we do. Mm, your presence means everything to us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for open hearts. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus flowing even tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And our hearts responding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, tonight's message is on the title of Worship Determines Outcome. You know, the summons has gone out. It's been out for years probably since the beginning of time, but it seems to be increasing as the world goes on. For years and years now, it's been going across the globe, the summons to worship. If you've been yeah. walking in the spirit at all, yeah. you've sensed it, right? Yeah. This, this pull, this yearning to just spend time with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Just to sing our Savior's praises, to give place to his glory, to magnify his name. And yet, at the same time, God's people seem to be busier than ever. There's this summons, there's this invitation from heaven itself, come and be with me. And yet, God's people are busier than ever. There's this pull, right? Are you experiencing it? Every one of us are, right? Yep. You know, we've, we've willfully chosen, every one of us, that one thing, like Jesus told Mary. One thing is needful. And yet, there was Martha. I mean, Jesus didn't ask her, prepare a meal for all these people. But she loved him. She wanted to do something good and kind. And it's the same way with us. We're wanting to do something great for God. So we're busy with our families. We're busy in our businesses. And we're busy doing all this stuff. And yet, somehow we keep forgetting. Maybe it's just me. Maybe this whole message is just for me. But there's this tug. There's this pull on my spirit. Just come and be with me. Just come apart for a while and rest. Come and be with me, says the Lord. Worship is the rolling out of the red carpet for our king. It paves the way for waves of glory. Anytime our hearts are turned to our king in awe and adoration, to the point that our mouths and our hearts and our bodies respond. Anytime that happens, friends, we step into a partnership with the almightiness of God. The trouble is, it can be a wee bit boring. Now, come on, admit it. Like, what? 
more than five minutes worshiping Jesus? Ah, I'm running out of words. Or I'm distracted. I got to go do this. Or, oh, my phone, it's dinging. I got to answer it. You know what I mean? And yet we have this summons from the King of Glory himself to partner with his almightiness. And the thing is, friend, it's not hard. It's just not hard. He's made it so easy. All we've got to do is open our mouth and lift a song to the king. Now, i got three episodes, three stories that I want to share with you tonight from Scripture. Historical moments, real-life stories where people's lives were absolutely changed. The outcome came out completely opposite of the way it looked it was going to, all because people chose to worship. The power of song lifted to the Lord does result in unmistakable outcomes. And in these three stories, you're going to find, I mean, we're not talking about when everything was hunky-dory, when everything was happy and perfect. No, we're talking about times when it looked impossible. People were struggling for their life. Impossibility right in front of them. People hurting and in pain. And yet they willfully chose to worship. Our key friend to breakthrough will always be in partnering with the almightiness of God. And one of the easiest and surest ways to do that is the simple expression of song. Now, before I delve into these three historical breakthroughs because of song lifted to the Lord, I want to give you a tiny taste of another couple purposes of worship. I've been studying the book by Jack Hayford, The Reward of Worship. And I'll tell you, I heard about it because um, I was listening to Bill Johnson after he lost his wife, which was very hard, I mean, for any of us, right? Right. And uh, he made the statement that this book had changed his life, and I thought, well, then I want to read this book. And uh, another statement by Bill during this loss of his that I want to share with you is that he made a willful choice in the middle of the pain. I am not going to withhold my affection. Because of this loss. And I want to urge you to come to that same decision. No matter what betrayal you're going through, no matter what loss, no matter what um, disappointment, criticism, don't withhold your affection from your king. So um, this first passage, and I'm not going to spend too much time on these first two, but they moved me, and so I feel like I want to just share them with you. First is from Revelation chapter 5. Now, all of chapter 4, if you remember, started with this open door in heaven, and the, he gets a peek into the throne room of heaven and sees this glorified Jesus on the throne and all these people and all these angels worshiping Jesus. And then we have this scene in chapter 5. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, like loud Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so John, who's just observing all this, he's so moved by the impossibility of opening this scroll. Now, i got to confess, all these years I've read this, I never paid attention to the scroll. Like, duh, who cares about a scroll? (laughs) But... 
as um, Pastor Hayford was explaining, this scroll contained what God wanted to do in the earth next. And it was hidden. And it was sealed up and nobody had access to it. And it couldn't be disclosed because nobody was worthy to open the seals. So he's weeping because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now, verse 5 says, Do not weep. One of the elders said, Don't weep. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. So he's announcing, here's this warrior, the Lion of Judah, but when he looks, what he sees in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, he saw this lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. One of the versions says what he sees is a freshly slain lamb, freshly slaughtered. So all I want to just say, this I mean, I just didn't realize any of this before, that God has a will for you. God has a will for your family. God has a will for our church. God has a will for the state, the nation, our continent, the world. How are we going to get it disclosed? How are we going to get it so we know what it is and so it's released in our life? Here's the secret. All of chapter 4, what was going on? Okay, I must not be very good here tonight. Let me go backwards. Chapter 4, the open door in heaven. He sees Christ on the throne and what's going on for the entire chapter? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. So if you want a little disclosure, maybe in your life, maybe in your family's life, I don't know, you ever get stuck? Like, what's next? What's next, Lord? Or your kids are struggling, or you just got to know, what is your will, Lord? I dare you to lift up a song in worship to the King. Worship is still the key to the revelation and the disclosure and the very release of God's will on the earth. Second revelation of the power of worship can be seen in King David's life. Now, I mentioned King David and you're probably thinking, oh yeah, he's that guy who liked music. Yeah, he was playing his harp all the time, right? Singing, he wrote over half the Psalms. He liked music. But it was more than that, friends. Way more than that. In fact, think about two little things here. For hundreds of years, you can read a whole bunch. I don't know if you've read First Chronicles or First Kings, Second Kings lately, but several times there's little phrases like this, like to this king, um, you've done wickedly, you deserve the punishment, the wrath of God, but because of your father David, I'm going to put it off. That happens several times in Scripture. Or consider this, for eternity, for eternity, your Lord and Savior Jesus is going to be known as the Son of David. Wow. Like, that's a little bit of honor that God's showing this guy, who wasn't perfect, mind you, but he had the heart of a worshiper. He had the heart of a worshiper. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but day one on the job, when David became king, He called for the singers and the musicians that Saul had sent home because he sure didn't need them. 
course, then he sent for the ark to come to Jerusalem. But David vowed that worship, that the presence of the Lord would be at the center of everything he did. He chose 24 families to worship, 24 singing prophets to sing night and day to the glory of God, accompanied by 288 brothers and sons. So like everybody in these 24 families was included. Then he had a backup band of some 4,000 musicians, like 4,000. He's paying a salary, friends. All of these people are paid a salary out of David's treasury for 33 years. Plus he paid 4,000 gatekeepers and their families. What am I saying? Well, I forgot to finish my other thought. He loved music. He set it to be the center of everything he did. Worship going on night and day in Jerusalem. To the Lord. Now, I don't know if you realize, but something that also happened in David and I, in his life, in his throne, in his kingdom, and I believe these two are connected, is that his kingdom experienced unheard of expansion. Unheard of expansion. Things just became easy for him to take up this new land and this new city. And and he, he just... He grew and increased. What am I saying? I'm saying if you want to see growth, if you want to see kingdom advancement for our church, for our families, for our schools, we have got to develop a culture of worship. And I beg you, please don't be a spectator. Be a participator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, it's your song that's going to make a difference. Now I know a whole bunch of you are thinking to yourself, not me. Uh, You don't know how bad my voice is. Listen, Jesus loves your voice. And he wants to hear your voice. And it's your song that's going to make a difference. Say that with me. My song song is going to make a difference. difference. Tell your neighbor, it's your song. That'll make a difference. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead now and study those three historical stories, episodes, real life things that happened where worship completely transformed what was going on. The first one we're going to look at is in Isaiah chapter 54. We're actually going to read it from the New Living Testament. And uh, this is from Isaiah. He says, Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house. What? I mean, she has no children. Are you getting this? She's desolate. She's empty. She's barren. It's hopeless. And yet, God says, sing. And get ready, because I'm going to enlarge your house. You better build an addition, he says. Spread out your home and spare no expense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Verse 4, fear not. This, this translation is so different from mine, but I'll read this one. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth or the sorrows of widowhood for your creator. My version says your maker will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies, we're talking about Jehovah Sabaoth here is his name. He is your redeemer. The Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. This is such beautiful scripture and so prophetic. And what God is showing us specifically here is how to deal with our barren situations. The empty things in our life. I don't know. Am I the only one? Have you ever had it in your life where you're working like crazy, putting forth all this effort and there's no results? Yeah. Emptiness. Like no dividends, whatever. Nothing happening. We're being called, God says, sing over them. This is what we should be doing, singing over them. It's really amazing. I mean, stop and think about it. The king of the universe choosing you and me to partner with, to release his almightiness into the situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all we have to do, friend, is open our mouth and praise his name. And he shows up releasing his purposes in the earth. And I'm telling you, one of his major purposes is always increase. It's always advancement. It's always this enlarging of the tent. He wants to restore entire years the locust has eaten. Before I forget, the Lord told me this afternoon that somebody here, it might be more than one because he repeated himself several times, has neck issues. And I want you to just right now expect this anointing that's in the house. Are you feeling it? Experiencing it? Let that anointing just affect your neck right now. Is that you? Yeah. Okay, I command that pain to lift off of you in Jesus' name. I command every bit of stress to lift off of you in Jesus' name. I release the oil of the Holy Spirit to flow from heaven right now. Every knot calmed, quieted. Every bit of pain gone in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So when I said the entire years that the locust has eaten, some of us have dealt with this emptiness, this barrenness for a long time, and we've almost lost hope. But may I tell you, God wants you to get your hopes up. I dare you to start to sing. Sing over the issue. I, I think I've told you my own story of barrenness, real barrenness. I mean, we were told we would never have any children. My husband's sperm were dead and deformed, and I had these issues in my body, and they said, forget it. It's not going to happen. And my friend Rachel Peterson, what would you say? Four. (laughs) You know Rachel Peterson. She gave me, it was the day of tapes. We didn't have CDs in those days. 
She gave me a tape by Jack Hayford, actually, on this same passage, Sing, O Barren Woman. And I thought, that's a ridiculous idea. I mean, really, that's how my flesh reacted. Why would I want to sing? Why would I want to be praising or being glad or rejoice when I'm having this situation that I, I've done everything I can? But you know what? I made a willful choice. My king is worth it. Even if I, it's just for him to receive glory, I chose to sing. And I did become a mother within three years of that beginning to sing over that situation. And friends, when he says, I'm your maker, he says that on purpose. Like, have you studied the world lately? Uh, We have a lady in here who's constantly taking pictures of flowers. I love it. Glaciers, mountains, trees. What else do you like in God's world? Name one thing. Butterflies, what? Sunrises. I mean, what did God have to start with, huh? Did he have a whole warehouse of stuff? He had nothing. Nothing. So look, if he gets started in your life and say you have nothing, it doesn't matter, friend. He's your maker. He will end up with beauty. Hallelujah. And he's your redeemer. That means stuff that you ruined. Have you ever ruined a relationship? You said it. You did it. Ruined your chances. Here's your Redeemer. Amen. Mm. He'll make it better. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. He can restore the dead. He can gather back what's lost. Yeah. I dare you to sing over the dead stuff Amen. in your life. Glory to God. And get ready and pull out the stakes because yes. God is getting ready to pour out the more. Hallelujah. So the second situation um, involves people who are actually struggling for their life. I don't know. Have you ever struggled? Maybe not for your life. Maybe you've struggled in your marriage, struggled in your finances, struggled in a relationship. The story is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The king's name is Jehoshaphat. He is the ruler of Judah. And there's three very large armies who join forces. And they have one intention, and that is to make Judah extinct. Like, get rid of them on planet Earth. We're talking about the Moabites, the Ammonites. And the Bible calls the other group Mount Seir, which I'm not really too familiar with it, but I just know that It wasn't looking good. Word came that they're coming down the road. They're on their way. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. I mean, you and I both, we all would be. Here's the Bible, verse verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. But the good news is, friend, that his fear, just like ours, did not disqualify him from seeing God's breakthrough on his behalf. The determining factor is what we do when the fear strikes. And the first thing Jehoshaphat did was he called for a fast throughout all of Judah. And bless their hearts, the whole country, all the people came 
And they all set their face to seek the Lord and to fast before the Lord. It's interesting to me that Jehoshaphat grasped. He understood that this physical reality of an army coming to wipe them out was a spiritual battle. And so he calls for a spiritual weapon. Number one, fasting. And then they moved into this matter of worship. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's read verse 15 if we can. They are all standing before the Lord worshiping. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this young prophet, I mean, we wouldn't even have to call him a prophet. It would be like us. You know, say someone said, we're out to get you, holy life. We're wiping you out. And we all get together like, ah, okay, we've got to do something about this. We're going to fast. And we choose to worship. I don't know. Is that your first inclination when you're facing a terrible problem? I hope it is, friend. Always lift up your voice and praise and worship your king. But so here's what the prophet, a simple man in their midst, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and said, listen, all of Judah, listen, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be overwhelmed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. And then he tells him how to go about the battle. Verse 17, did I give you that verse? You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you? That would be good for all of us to figure that out, huh? Who is with us? The Almighty God, don't fear or be dismayed, and he tells them what to do here. Um, so verse 19, they are also moved, by the way, by the Spirit of the Lord speaking to them. They all bow on their faces to the ground. And then the Levites, this is the family that David had assigned to uh, worship him. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korathites all stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So then they decided, we're going to rise up in the morning. And they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went, Jehoshaphat stood up and he said, Listen, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. And he decides, let's see, where is this going on here? Verse 21, let's go to 21. And when he had consulted with the people... Jehoshaphat made this decision. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. Before the army? Before the army? Before the soldiers with the swords and the guns and the big ammunition? He said singers? I mean, we've heard this story, but we forget how miraculous this was. He sent the singers in front of the army. And this is what they were singing and saying. And if you study the Hebrew, they actually had their hands up in the air, worshiping the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm guessing a few of them were still shaking in their boots. What do you think? I bet they were. (laughs) 
But they chose to trust God, to believe in God, and they showed that trust by lifting their voices in praise to God. Not only did they sing and lift their hands as a sign of faith, but it became their weapon. And I'm telling you, God responds to a heart of worship. Verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise... And I think it's important to notice it was when they began to sing and praise. That's exactly when it happened. The Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Verse 23, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. They started to fight amongst one another. Now, you have to understand that. When they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, then they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude, and all they could see were dead bodies fallen on the earth. And no one had escaped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have another verse, yes? Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry, and it took them three days to gather the spoil. Friends, this release of abundance is another thing that happens when we worship. And I hope you noticed the confusion that happened among the enemy. That's something else that happens when we worship. God releases confusion and chaos in the camp of the enemy. Hallelujah. So we have to ask ourselves, I mean, was there something special about Jehoshaphat? He was a descendant of David, but... Did he have some special favor with God that you and I don't have? I mean, can we expect that when we worship, something divine and supernatural could happen like this? I believe we can and we should. Ours is a faithful God, friends. We have Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I dare you to sing. I dare you to lift up your voice. And bless the Lord in the middle of your struggle. Yep. Yes, when it looks like the bottom is falling out. Yep. When all the voices, I don't know, you got voices? Voices shout at me on a regular basis. It's over, forget it. Yep. It's hopeless. Now when all the voices are shouting, it's over. Lift up your voice Amen. and sing. Amen. Hallelujah. And be on the lookout because God will move on your behalf. Yes. Praise the Lord. So one more amazing story of the power of song is in Acts chapter 16. We aren't going to look at it because I believe you're very, very familiar with it, but it might be fun to get it back out and peek because we have two men, Paul and Silas. They've just been beaten. I don't know, have any of you ever been beaten? I mean, I was spanked. My father used a belt once in a while. But beaten with rods? I mean, I don't know how they did it, if there was a whip, but all I know is they were in pain, and the jailer felt it necessary to put their feet in stocks 
it's not this pretty little jail like what we see nowadays with TVs and private commodes and all this good stuff. It was a junky place. They were miserable. It's the midnight hour. Dark. Things start feeling a little hopeless in the middle of the night. And what did they do? They sang. And they didn't do just this little whisper. Like, I'm so glad. Yeah, they sang at the top of their lungs because all the prisoners heard them singing. It was the song of the Lord, friends, that shook the powers of darkness and opened those prison doors. And what happened that night? I mean, we know that Paul and Silas were set free. We know that, I don't know, do you realize that every prisoner went free that night? All the chains were broken. Every door was open in the place. One jailer got saved and his family. In fact, not only was a family released that night because of worship, eventually an entire city was saved. Philippi. Amazing evangelism that went on. I believe that worship will pave the way for God's kind of evangelism. Eventually, a city, a continent, and eventually an entire hemisphere. One to Jesus, because two men in misery and discomfort chose to worship and sing to the Lord. I'm telling you, we have smalled down the power of song lifted to our Lord. We've relegated it to 20, 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. And I'm guilty of this too, but you know what? How many times have we been late for a service? Why, friend? Do we value our own time more than worshiping our God? Just asking myself included. We've forgotten this partnership, friends. Of when we lift our voice to the Lord, we are partnering with the almightiness of God. Releasing. What were some of the things you heard tonight? We're releasing the will of God in the earth, in our families, in our own private life. We release abundance. We release evangelism to occur in our area, in our city, in our state. We release life where there was barrenness and emptiness. In the middle of our struggle, if you're struggling for your health, for your finances, for your kids, for anything, if you've been hurt, treated badly, betrayed, friends, that's the time to lift up your voice and sing to Jesus. Because there is something divine that happens, friend, when we sing to the Lord. It partners with us with the almightiness of God. Now, I was just listening to the CD this morning of Joseph and Leslie Lee's service on the 25th of June. How many of you were here that night? So, I want to commend you, Pastor Dave and Jeannie. Every service, we start with worship. Every service. Why? Because they understand what happens when we worship, right? You've made a commitment. Jeannie told me that was one of the founding things about your church. Our church. So we had worship that night, and then Joseph and Leslie came up, 
And they, they said hello, and they welcomed us. And then what did they do? Do you remember? They moved into another 10, 20, 30 minutes of song to the Lord. And it wasn't even songs that we knew. Maybe you noticed they, they were singing in the Spirit. And do you notice what happened? The, the presence just moves in when there's worship like that, friends. When we engage our hearts with God, it wasn't an accident. Because they didn't just walk up in here and say, oh, we don't know what to do, I guess we'll just sing. No, it was a plan, friend. Because they've experienced it before. And we've got to know what our plan should be too. Okay, I want God's presence. I need God's presence. And so we're going to lift up our song to the Lord. Hallelujah. Lifting the song to the Lord partners us with the almightiness and the exceeding great power of God. And I've talked about all these other things. Singing to the Lord paves the way for souls to be saved. For fruitfulness to come forth in the midst of emptiness. It opens prison doors. It brings confusion to the enemy. Worship releases abundance and wins battles that look hopeless. Now, I've discovered, maybe by accident, but in my own prayer time, so I want to encourage you, experiment with song in your own prayer time. Because I've discovered that as soon as I move into song, and I don't have the most gorgeous voice, and I don't know all the songs like I should, because for years I was the musician. But I have discovered that if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm praying and I just move to singing, all of a sudden I'm in a different level. Have you ever had that when you're praying and it feels like, where's God, where's God? It's just me like talking to the wall. No, if you want your spirit to connect with his spirit, your heart to connect with his heart, just start to sing. Amen. And it's like you go up to that high place where you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that Jesus loves to hear your voice? I'm going to say it again. Jesus loves to hear your voice. And, oh, there were some cool things that Jack Haver talked about. Like, when God created the world, it's kind of like he said, I want some music in the background. I mean, he... He showed a verse in Isaiah, I think, where all the angels, he, he had them singing while he created. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it makes it easier to clean house, right, when the music's on? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's something yeah. divine that happens when we sing to the Lord. Yeah. So don't leave it up to the worship team, okay? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Amen. I urge you to experiment with song yeah. in your own prayer time. That's right. Sing in English, sing in the Spirit, and especially when you have these, you know, we've had some glory moments right here in this church in the last couple weeks. And there's some people that still will just watch. And it's, um, well, all I can say is you're missing out. I think I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but. Ha, I love that. The choir. (laughs) The divine ones chosen to sing to the Lord. Well, stand with me, will you? Father, I thank you. Thank you you for what you're up to with your people. This divine summons calling us to worship, calling us to be transformed even more in your presence. 
calling us, Lord, for those effective prayers where divine things happen in the spirit world because we chose to lift our song to the Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, the powerful thing you're doing in our church, in our lives, in our families, in our nation, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name. And thank you, thank you for your blessing on this anointed people who love to sing to you, who will let you hear their voice. Thank you for the partnership of us human beings with the almightiness of God. And I thank you for great things ahead in Jesus' righteous and holy name. Amen. Amen. Sorry I kept you a little over, but um, be blessed. Have a great week. I'll be glad to pray with you, agree with you on anything you liked. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.